Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel the Series one by one. There will be no spoilers for future episodes, but we will be discussing details from this episode and all previous episodes. I'm Harrison, and uh, what are you talking about? Willow's not doing my chores. You're crazy! (laughs) And I'm Jason, and even though the context isn't great, God, I love seeing Christine Sutherland again. Mm-hmm. Fuck yeah. Um, what episode, Harrison, are we watching this week? All right. We are watching Buffy Season 6, Episode 17, Normal Again. This is the one where Buffy is injected with a some sort of demon venom sicked on her by the trio that uh, causes her to hallucinate that she is actually just a normal girl in a mental institution. Uh, And as Buffy oscillates between these two realities, she begins to doubt uh, her, which one is her real reality. That's, yeah, it's heavy stuff. Yeah. uh, Normal Again was written by Diego Gutierrez and was directed by Rick Rosenthal. (laughs) And originally aired on March 12th, 2002. Nice. Uh, Diego Gutierrez, first writing credit. Uh, and only for this show, but it looked like he wrote for like Dawson's Creek and some other shows. Hmm. Um, and first directing credit for Rick Rosenthal of two... No, for who? Rick... Rick Rosenthal! Yeah! <laughs> uh, I don't know why I like doing that, but it just feels like it fits. Um, yeah, this is his first of two directing credits on the show. So, so we have to remember it for the next time. But that's right. <laughs> I think you'll remember. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you just look at that name and you're like, Rick Rosenthal! <laughs> All right, hit it. Jason. Harrison. How are you today? I'm happy to be here. Good. I'm happy to be here too. It's my house. Um, I'm always here. But, uh... You mean you're always happy to be here? Mostly. <laughs> uh, you know, there were a few times this summer where... Fair enough. Uh, did we did we talk about the most recent incident? Was that the, uh, the, the possum? Uh... Again? <laughs> Which possum again? The one after my uh, movie night. So we did talk about that uh, on here. Uh, it did. We didn't see it, but uh, about a week or so ago, maybe it was over the weekend. Uh, John got up in the morning, and there was a bunch of shit knocked down uh, in our kitchen again. Uh, we finally uh, had the smart idea to close the door in the basement. Because uh, we think that's where it's, like, hiding out and has found a way in and out that we haven't figured out where it is. Um, but it seems like we've successfully prevented it from getting upstairs. <laughs> We're going to see if it... Uh, but no, I was referring to the uh, the truck incident. Oh. I don't um, think we talked about that. I know we talked about it, but I don't think we talked yeah, about we, it. Yeah, we, we didn't talk about it on the podcast. So, um... Yeah, just the latest in the curse of our house. Um, about a week or so ago, a little over a week ago, um, John and I were up in our front room, and um, we have a very heavy traffic pattern 
uh, outside of our house. Um, there's an interstate on ramp really close to us um, that the road in front of us leads to. So a lot of people speeding through here, a lot of trucks coming through here. Um, and it goes from a two-way to a one-way, so a lot of confusion. So we're up here, and we hear this honking and squelching, which is not unusual, but it was louder and longer than it usually is. So John went and looked out the window, uh, and this is where I learned that my husband has no survival skills, uh, because a truck was in our front yard coming toward our house, uh, it veered off at the last second, did not hit our house, thank goodness, and went back into the street. Um, our house, our, our front lawn is like elevated. Um, it's like a little hill and there's a, like a concrete block wall that goes around it that's like three concrete blocks tall. Um, and yeah, the corner of it is just decimated. And yeah, those are, blocks went flying. Yeah. Um, We've been slowly, like, moving them out of the yard. <laughs> it's been so fucking hot. Yeah. It's like, you go out there for five minutes, move up one, you know, 60-pound concrete block, you're drenched. Um, so, yeah, that's that's just the update on the, the witch that cursed our house. They're fine, by the way. Oh, yeah. No one was hurt. Uh, the driver of the truck is this teenage kid who's probably on a cell phone or something, ran the stop sign, I'm guessing. And then panicked and over. That's over right, corrected. kids. Don't TikTok and drive. No. Um, we were like taking pictures. We got a text from someone who works for the leasing company. It was like, hey, we just heard from the neighbors that like something happened. Like, oh, these guys again. And I'm, like, <laughs> and I'm, like, I'm like, yeah, I'm, we're getting some pictures right now. And we're getting like entrance information from the owner of the truck. Like, we're getting all that to send it to you we're old hat at this now like, <laughs> um, literally though i do like i do wonder if like the leasing office they get like a notification they're like it's those guys from redacted again <laughs> a meteorite hit the house what I they what say they, shit like that. What they have like superpowers now because <laughs> of some strange goo coming out of the meteor <laughs> Typical. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, anyway, uh, Jason, what have you got to drink today? Narragansett. Narragansett. We really need to. I don't know why I said it like that. We I'm... need to stock our bar again. Just <laughs> drink the same shit. Cause I've got my red wine. Well, I mean, I need to. I need to like start contributing. You start fucking contributing. Yeah. To this podcast. <laughs> Jason is just dead weight. <laughs> no, I tease. I tease. Um, I guess it's my turn to do a toast again. Tis a boofy episode. Um, why am I why am I pronouncing things so strangely? Are you oscillating between realities? God man, it, it feels like it feels like I am because it feels like my reality has just been sleeping, going to work, and worrying about work. Fair enough. <sighs> well, uh as someone who's been in a similar ish boat with my job recently, um for for different reasons than you but um uh here's to here's to getting through on the other side intact break on through to the other side thanks jim (laughs) all right (laughs) break on through to the other side so uh i made a comment last week that this episode is probably 
uh, this, I, this, I'd say the second most controversial episode. Um, don't worry, you don't have to wait long for the most controversial episode. Um, this episode is extremely polarizing for people. Um, Jason, you quite liked the episode. I like it, yeah. I am cool. I like it, but I'm cooler on it. There's there's two things in it that um, really bring it down for me. Um, the first is um, what I consider to be just a really egregious and honestly just like not unbelievable retcon of Buffy having ever been in a mental institution. It rings so false to me. Um, and it doesn't jive up with the flashbacks we got in season two. Um, the well, second is the ending. I hate the end. I think the ending of this see, episode is so fucking stupid. I hate it. Okay, so I think the ending's clever. Okay. Um, we'll, t- we'll talk about it when we get there. Um, as for, like, the... It, it, it does seem to kind of come out of nowhere and seem like, oh, this is something that we made just for this episode. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, we... We only saw Buffy's first encounter with the vampires. Um, we saw that in Becoming Part 1, 2. Um, we saw in Becoming. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think it's Part 1. I think all of the flashbacks okay. in Becoming are, are yeah, in Part Yeah, because Whistler's the one who's, uh, who's narrating the flashbacks. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't necessarily think there's anything that contradicts um and you know it was such a short time that like Buffy says it was just for a few weeks yeah I don't think there's anything that contradicts it um but I can I can definitely uh side with you on it really feels like it was something that was made for this story and does kind of come out of nowhere yeah and will never be mentioned again Mm -hmm. like um, unless the comics go there, but I don't know. Um, but we uh, we start the episode um, with uh, Buffy. She is tracking down the trio. We're seeing Detective Buffy in action here. We don't get that a lot, but I love when we do. She's got a list of like uh, local rentals in the in the town. I have to say this episode. Out. This episode kind of like, um, in addition to having all of its other stuff going on, also has kind of check-ins of all the other storylines yeah. that have been running. Um, and you know, it's the first time that we've seen the trio in a while. I think since they killed Katrina. Yeah. Um, you, you get the update on Xander, uh, and you get, um, yeah, like just the, uh, um, like kind of the overall status of Spike Mm -hmm. and they're talking, they're finally like kind of talking about their breakup, Mm -hmm. like, well, maybe not in the most healthy of ways. Oh no. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, but, and I, I think like the that stuff kind of comes to a head when he uh, gives a very untimely ultimatum to yeah. her. Uh, we also get a check-in with uh, oh, the all, status all of Don's behaviors and, and Don's behaviors in this episode. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, you're at uh, Willow and Tara Willow stuff. And, Tara. and we don't... Anya's not in the episode, but we do know that uh, Buffy and shape. Willow talked to her and saw her. Um, and yeah, she was in in a bad place 
Um, Understandable. So, yeah. No, I don't blame her. Um, and I do like that despite them having compassion for Xander, they don't just let him off the hook for it. They, they, they're like, yeah, you fucked up bad. Like, it, Buffy even at one point kind of default is on his side and then has a moment where she backtracks and is like, actually, wait. Like, we've been friends for a long time, so it's hard to turn that off. But, um... But uh, Buffy is tracking down the trio. Um, she does come across the house that they are hiding out in. Uh, Jonathan, um, we see that the effects of the events in Dead Things have had a toll on Jonathan. Um, whereas they, Warren and Andrew, are their happy-go-lucky usual pieces of shit selves. Um, but Jonathan's having a rough time. And Warren notices it. Yeah. Because um, Warren, uh, you know, he's not he's not keeping Jonathan looped in on everything that, that they picked up. And Jonathan's like, oh, well, I'm going to go pick up some stuff that I need. And and uh, Warren's like, yeah, that's not a good idea. Yeah. He's... Jonathan's... De- it, it's The trio has definitely become Warren and his lapdog and Jonathan. Mm-hmm. Um they do see uh, Buffy on the surveillance equipment. Um, so they have Andrew. Uh, Warren has Andrew summon a demon. This with demon, a didgeridoo. Uh, with, yeah. Um, she, uh, Buffy fights this demon. She gets a nice uh, little stab in the arm from its, like, arm needle. Um, <laughs> Is that a prehensile needle? Yes, I think okay. that's what that would be considered. Um, and she is suddenly transported to the middle of uh, a, a mental institution where she is grabbed by some orderlies who stab her with a syringe where uh, she comes back to sunny, the Sunnydale reality and is all fucked up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you know, you'd be too. Yeah. Cut to <laughs> credits. <laughs> so, over at the Sunnydale, uh, UC Sunnydale, I almost said Sunnydale High, um, <laughs> Willow is kind of pumping herself up to go talk to Tara, um, catch up with her, talk about gay love. Um, uh, however, she uh, spots Tara begin talking with um, a woman whose Buffy Wiki page is identified as unidentified girl parentheses normal again. Um, (laughs) Which means there are multiple unidentified (laughs) girl pages on the Buffy Wiki. Um, Unidentified in the series, she was credited as Kissing Girl. Yeah. uh, Played by April Dion. Um... But she sees... So needless to say, what, what she and Tara do... <laughs> uh, yes. But, you know, it's not like... It's just a kiss on the cheek. It's she a... just kisses Tara on the cheek. Yeah, it's a... I think if Willow weren't um, existing at a high level of emotion, she would probably recognize this as a very friendly, platonic kiss. But um, it, it's a... I wouldn't necessarily call it rational, but it is reasonable. Oh, yeah. I get why she's there. Mm-hmm. Um but, uh, so she, she decides to bail, which Tara, um, Tara does notice, but Willow g- 
gets away. And it's important that she notices. Yeah, I wish they clarified this a bit more later in the episode. They terrified us. Uh, um, but, um, yeah, uh, Tara is a bit crestfallen. Um, also, it turns out that we uh, eulogized the Devil Meat Palace a bit, <laughs> a bit prematurely last week. Uh, uh, Buffy didn't get fired after just walking out on her shift. Um, I guess They're she, that desperate for people they, at the well, Devil Meat Palace. They, D- Buffy still does have that blackmail. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but she knows about the veggies. She, um, she, uh, she's working her shift where she has a um, another flash to the mental hospital where um, a, uh, a doctor there is trying to administer her some prescription drugs. Um, the word drugs. Buffy, it's time for your drugs. Yeah. <laughs> that the word drugs brings Buffy back to Sunnydale, where uh, her manager, whose name I have forgotten, Lorraine. She is the um, um, she is the manager who Buffy does have like reveal the blackmail to at yes. the end of the Double Me Palace episode. So she makes a return. Yeah, just for which, a second, which is good because the last thing we need are like those other douchebags that she's Ugh. been working with. What was that guy's name Gary or whatever? Oh, who cares? Um, <laughs> but she's like Buffy. If I didn't know any better, I'd say you're on drugs. Um, yes, because she had to say it just like a 1930s starlet. Yep. Uh, that's the only way I can do an impression of someone. Otherwise, I'm going to be doing an accent, and as we know, bad. <laughs> How are you ever an actor? I, listen, <laughs> lots of good actors are bad at accents. Uh, Amy Poehler, terrible at accents and impressions. Uh, <laughs> like her impression of Nev Campbell. Hello, everybody. Welcome to my party of five. <laughs> um... That, that joke is the, the, um... So tell me what the fuck Nev Campbell sounds like right now! Is one of my favorite, like, out-of-context lines to just yell sometimes. <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, back at the Summer's home, uh, Willow is, uh, on the internet checking to see if she had an email from Xander. They have not seen him since the wedding. Um... Willow tells Buffy about uh, her attempt to talk to Tara, how poorly it went, um, and Buffy tries to reassure her, like, I'm sure it's just a platonic, friendly friend, but... Once you fall for Willow, <laughs> you, you're, you're stuck. Yeah, there's a werewolf somewhere off in the world. That's still like... pining for her. <laughs> uh, but Xander does show up uh, at the house. Uh, as we mentioned before, they let her know that they let him know about how she was doing, and um, Sanders back to his glorious fashion sense hey. of paisley shirt and <laughs> like jacket that looks like he stole it from a leisure suit. God, <laughs> <laughs> um, he really does dress poorly. He does. Maybe like maybe Anya was finally convincing him to not dress as badly, but now that she's gone, maybe he's dressing how he how he feels he deserves to dress (laughs) after leaving her. I mean, he does say that when Anya was in his life, he felt like he was better. And, I mean, at the very least, he dressed better. That's true. Um, But yeah, he does 
he surprises them by telling them that he still wants a relationship with her, you know, just because they, they didn't get married. Um, he doesn't want to end. He still loves her. He, as you said, he felt like he was better with her. And they're um, cautiously reassuring to him. It does feel like they're like, yeah, yeah, you can do that, buddy. With a little bit of a, ooh, I don't know about that. Um, well, it's a hard subject for anybody to broach because, one, you know, Xander already left her at the altar. Mm -hmm. um, that is a thing that is always going to be there. It's going to be hard to come back from that. Yeah, and, it, and you know, he's got his reasons, but it's really reasons that he should have talked with Anya about. Yeah. Um, and those issues did come up every now and again, but it always Xander always seemed so much more reassured until the actual day of. Yeah. And we can go into the and we've talked before about like, you know, maybe like a marriage wasn't necessarily what they needed. Um we've talked about that and how yeah. you know, the modernization of relationships. It's like, hey, relationships are starting to get out of the cycle of oh, it's just gonna be date marry kids yeah um like a lot of a lot of relationships are becoming a bit just different yeah um i yeah. you know i do think you know when when xander proposed back in the gift he assures her that he wasn't proposing just because he thought the world was going to end and i do believe he believes that but i don't think it's true like i don't think he was lying but I do think subconsciously that is what. Well, he was yeah, doing. he just he thought it was the next thing to do, right? And you know, it it's not always necessary. Like marriage isn't for everybody. Yeah, and we have to also we didn't talk about this last week. I think it's also important to remember, um, and I have to remind myself sometimes. Uh, these characters are still really young. Yeah, they are. They're still in their early twenties, yeah. like really early twenties. They'd be twenty one at this point. Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't get married till I was 24, so... Um, although my brother is 21 and just got married. Um, but he's in the army, and apparently that's how they do things there. Um, we go to the cemetery where Buffy is patrolling. Um, uh, wearing a very unfortunate hat. It's it's not the hat's fault on its own. It's the hat coat combination. They're both tan. <laughs> I one time went to work wearing khakis and a tan sweater. Oof. Yeah. I didn't realize it until I was there. And I was like, I look like a big condom. <laughs> and Buffy kind of looks like a big condom. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're gay. Aren't you supposed to dress well? Not all gays dress well. What?! It's true. In fact, I'm one of them. I mean, I just... I, I thought that stereotype was true. Literally, the other... So, John, who does dress very well... Yeah. Um, the other day was literally... He, he came... He went to Kohl's and he came back. And he was like, I bought you some pants. I bought you this shirt. And I got a bunch of... Stuff oh, is that what's sitting over there? Uh, some of it is. Okay. Um, but I was like, John... And he was like... He's like, here's you don't buy clothes for yourself. When was the last time you bought clothes for yourself? And I was like, I don't know, I guess the last time I had to buy jeans. And he was like, why? And I was like, because the old jeans like wore out. And he's like, 
you never buy clothes for yourself. <laughs> you wear them until they're worn out. And I was like, well, sorry, I grew up poor. <laughs> <laughs> I can easily just see John looking at me like, you didn't grow... Shut up. <laughs> uh, but we didn't have a lot of money like for like... Like, I mean, we had many four clothes, but we were, you know, we were on the lower end of the middle class. No, man, I, so I, I like... get that. I get that, too. Um, I mean, hell, a lot of the stuff that I, not all of the stuff, but a lot of the stuff that I wore um, when, you know, you had to dress nice for St. X mm-hmm. um, was, uh, you know, I had a lot of my brother's yeah. um, hand-me-downs. Me, too. Hell, I mean, I think I grew up with a lot of my brother's hand-me-downs. Yep. Um... And yeah, it does. It does feel weird um, to think about because I've often thought about like I should try to buy a little bit of a nicer wardrobe. I mean, really, the only thing I buy every now and again is like a few pairs of pants, usually jeans, and graphic tees. Mm-hmm. But I'm straight, so <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a stereotype to live up to when it comes to dressing well. In fact, quite the opposite. (laughs) (laughs) In fact, I'm doing too much. (laughs) I think you do dress very well. Thanks. And, you know, there are some times when I do actually try to, you know, dress a little better. And, uh, like, you know, wear something a little nicer. And And when I do that, it always feels great. But I also very rarely find myself in those instances where that would be... Like that would be a, a good thing to mm-hmm. like it, it wouldn't it wouldn't make me stick out. Uh, I feel like you know I come over here dressed really nice and you'd be like okay weirdo <laughs> a little overboard. <laughs> isn't it? Um, whereas like sometimes when we record I'm like just not even wearing underwear. <laughs> um, what about now? I am wearing underwear okay. now. <laughs> Basically, if we're recording on a on a weekend. When I haven't gone to a weekend or a Monday when I work from home, I'm probably not wearing underwear. If I... This is news to me, uh, listeners. <laughs> if, I, if, we're, if we're recording on a day where I've actually been to my office, probably wearing underwear. Okay. Uh, well, I'll try not to think about that going forward. You better not be thinking about my penis. Okay. Um, what were we talking about? Stop uh, it. Stop it with the eyebrows. <laughs> uh, condom Buffy runs into Spike <laughs> Honestly I thought we were still talking about Xander <laughs> uh, Well we're about to talk about Xander again um, Because Buffy tells Spike about uh, what happened at the wedding yeah, Spike went to go pick Like apparently went to go get stuff Um at first I thought, oh, he's just getting groceries, but I'm like, he doesn't eat groceries, he doesn't eat, it's, it's just cigarettes. At least three cartons <laughs> of cigarettes. And listen, as I used to work at a grocery store. A carton of cigarettes is like... It's 20 packs, right? It's 20 packs. It's like 30 bucks. And I have not worked at a grocery store in uh, about eight years, so I imagine they're even more expensive. And that's like well, Marlboro's, which is what it looked like he had. Yeah. Um, but that is... You know, I joked, like, how many cartons of cigarettes does he need? But legitimately, people who smoke, like, chain smoke, that is what they do. People would come in and drop, like, 
$200 on cartons of cigarettes. And, you know, you wouldn't see them for three months. And then, like, So I don't know if there are any gas stations that still do it. But um, I remember gas stations used to have, like, on their signs where they show the price, like, per gallon um, for regular and diesel. Mm -hmm. They also used to have the price of a carton of cigarettes on there. Oh, yeah, they did, didn't they? Yeah. I don't don't think I've ever seen one do that. I don't think I've seen one do it in years. I think it might be because of, like, the a lot of legislation that's going to kind of, like, try to make... They can't outlaw cigarettes. They could outlaw cigarettes. But they're not going to. Yeah, they're not going to. Especially not in Kentucky. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Um, We got a big tobacco industry here. But uh, they have, like, you know, taxed it all to hell, so... And there's, like, laws about how they're allowed to advertise. Mm -hmm. Which Um, might be why they don't have the... They don't have those on the sign on the gas station signs anymore. They used to advertise cigarettes to fucking children. Oh like, yeah. Oh my gosh, it's wild. Candy cigarettes were a thing. Uh, um, Spike and Willow do approach. I mean, Spike and Xander just. I, I don't. I don't even think I caught what set them off, other than the both trying to be alpha males. But like they just. I, I think at um, each other. Spike I, makes a snide comment to Xander. About the wedding, or maybe Xander made us. I don't know who started it, but they're. I believe being... Xander told Spike to just buzz off or whatever because that's what their relationship yeah. is. He doesn't. He doesn't like Xander, and Xander. Xander doesn't. Xander. He doesn't like Xander, and Xander doesn't like him. So uh, yeah, normally Spike doesn't have a lot of ammunition against Xander, but he's got some bullets in the chamber now. That's true. I, I just felt like it didn't feel out of character but it felt like it escalated so fast i was like whoa like and again like i think a lot of it had to deal with um they're kind of wondering why he um buffy was talking to spike and uh because they still don't know about the relationship that they had and you know buffy tries to write it off immediately searching them for contraband yeah, and uh, and that's that probably pissed Spike off to the point where he's just like, oh, hey, yeah, because I think um, Xander tells him to run off. He's like, oh, that's what you're pretty good at, isn't it? Yeah, they um, they start to fight. Uh, Willow's trying to break them up. Buffy is like, uh, you know that meme where it's um, it's like a parent in a pool and they're, they're like playing with a kid and then like nearby. There's, like, a kid who's, like, flailing in the yeah. water. And then, like, the bottom, nearby, further away, at the bottom, there's just, like, a skeleton at the bottom of the pool. Yeah. Buffy's the skeleton at the bottom of the pool. <laughs> this, like, they're, like, all fighting, and Willow's trying to break it up, while Buffy's, like, in the background, just, like, collapsing. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, so Buffy goes to the mental hospital reality, um, and this is where it's explained by the doctor. Do you want to that... call it the MHR? Yes. Okay. And we'll call our regular reality the SDR. Sunnydale reality. Yeah. So at the MHR, uh, the doctor is explaining that Buffy has been in this hospital suffering from these hallucinations for the past six years. Um, everything, Sunny, everything in Sunnydale, all of her friends, all of the, you know, the Slayer, all the monsters she fight, fought are um they're all a delusion um this is meta af because they uh 
I, I really do think that at this point, the writers had heard a lot about like how the fans were reacting to season six, mm. and I'm sure, and we've talked before about how this is the most divisive season in the series, yeah. and the fact that the Doctor says like, oh, you used to fight these grand villains, but now there aren't any demons or gods, it's just... just what three guys that like to play with toys? It's like three pathetic little <laughs> men who like to play with toys. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's funny because I I like to browse through and occasionally um, interact on the uh, Buffy subreddit, and just today I saw someone uh, make a post about how much they were struggling with season six, and in particular. They're like, I just don't understand the trio. I don't see the point of them. They're they're just people. They're just really annoying. And I was like, and it was funny because you were getting some comments that were like, season six is my fucking favorite. I love it. And some that were like, fuck season six. I hate it so much. And, well, I mean, I mean, like you know, the trio's lack of urgency lends itself to the fact that a lot of this season has been dealing with the aftermath of season five exactly and um and also to a less appreciated uh uh mark um willow's storyline yeah uh but yeah like it it allows like you know we taken a huge break from the trio and it doesn't feel like we weren't exactly missing them. Yeah. <laughs> the, the the struggles this season have largely been... And, you know, the show has always dealt with the characters' personal struggles. But the personal struggles are very much in the forefront this season. Mm-hmm. As And so it's appropriate, in my opinion, that the villain would be something so low stakes. Yeah. Because if we had a villain like Glory or like the mayor or... I mean, I hate him, but even like Adam who is a they're high stakes villains it, it would feel wrong to be focusing on what we're focusing on this right. season and like and honestly for listeners who don't want to be focusing on that i can see why this would be a grueling season to get through mm-hmm. um, i think um i do think that uh the last few episodes like what after this we only have 5 episodes left yeah yeah i think not next episode so much because but I do like the next episode Mm -hmm. but the episodes after that the last four I think it really do kind of put I think they really do put this season in a bit more perspective and I think once you get to the end you appreciate it a little bit more yeah I do personally um but back in uh MHR um Joyce and Hank Summers come into Buffy's hospital room. Um, it is... Uh, I don't love the circumstances, but it's lovely to see Joyce. Um, I'm never happy to see Hank, so... <laughs> now, is this the same actor that has portrayed him on mm-hmm. the series before? Yep. Yep. They, the show's pretty good about um, keeping actors consistent, um, even for minor roles. Um, trying to think if there have been... Recasting. Yeah. There's one character that I we've met before who we're gonna meet again in a slightly slightly more expanded role in season seven, who's played by different actors, but that was largely like their first appearance, and I'll put a spoiler in here. It's um 
Spoilers! In their first appearance, they're played just by a stunt stunt mm-hmm. actor. Right. And in the later appearance, requires more acting. Gotcha. Not that stunt actors aren't actors, but, yeah. you know. It's a different kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but the appearance of her parents does uh, kind of pull Buffy. The shock pulls her back into SDR. Um, Buffy and Willow uh, get her home. Uh, they Xander did manage to get a punch in on Spike, and that's when they notice Buffy collapsing. Um, but uh, Willow, she explains to Willow and Xander what happened at the trio's lair. She explains, you know, the hallucinations she's been having. And they go into Scooby mode. Willow's going to do... And she does mention that... And the thing that, like, really brings Dawn into it is that she does mention that Mom was there and Dad. Yeah. And that they, they were together like they were before um she became a slayer yeah and this is said that it's said in um mhr that she's been in there for six years so which does line up with when she was she got called she got tapped to be the next slayer um so willow and dawn go to do some uh some research um and uh, Xander also is going to do research. I guess he's doing he, he, re- he's going to uh, the demon bars to get that's some right. info. That's right. Thank you. Um, uh, but this uh, brings us brings Buffy back to MHR. Um, he the doctor explains to uh, Hank and Joyce, uh, but really to us. <laughs> that uh, Buffy's been in a kind of catatonic state of schizophrenia for the past six years, um, except for a brief period last summer of lucidity, which... um, Coincides with when Buffy died. Exactly. Um, He said that it was her friends that... He says that it was her friends that brought her back. Exactly. So, there you go. Um, But yeah, he basically... Uh, explains that she's created this grand delusion for herself that she's this big hero who fights gods and monsters and um, and uh, surrounded herself with magical friends and uh, he also explains that she tried to introduce a sister um, effectively retconning some of the history and that made it uh, her delusion unstable which is kind of what helped start to quote unquote bring her out of it, uh, at least within this world. Um, so if you think your life is complete confusion, you never play the game. Just remember that it's a grand illusion, because deep inside we're all the same. I don't know what that is. It's it's the song "Grand Illusion" by Styx. Ah. <laughs> it's a good song. I I, I <laughs> didn't say it wasn't. <laughs> I just didn't know it. Um, so, uh, back in SDR, uh, Willow has found the demon, uh, that stung her. It's a... I mean, like, they make a whole joke in the episode about its name, so... It is a Glark Gul (laughs) Kazmaznik. Glark Gul Kazmaznik. 
Kashmaznik. Glarkul Kashmaznik. I'm getting further away from it. <laughs> the uh, more I say it, the less it becomes a word. Yeah. Um, that is probably my favorite joke of the episode, though. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny. Um, but yeah, Willow explains that this is what this demon does. It creates, uh, you know, its venom creates these vivid hallucinations. Um, and she's like, you know, you've never been in a mental institution. And this is where Buffy confesses to Willow that right after she became the Slayer, she told her parents about vampires. They freaked out. Um, and uh, she was put in a clinic. She was there for about three weeks. Um, and once she kind of stopped talking about it, she was released. Eventually, everyone just kind of forgot about the whole thing. Um, this for me like I, I mean I just don't care for it as a retcon it also just kind of puts Joyce in a really shitty light that I don't care for um, although I, she the, was, the only thing I can see it kind of conflicting with is um, I feel like it would have come becoming, up when, becoming part two yeah when um, you know when Buffy finally comes out to her mom about being a vampire slayer and you know she acts like and uh you know, Buffy says, like, you can't just keep pretending that this isn't, that none of these weird things happen. Yeah. So, I, I, there are times that it just doesn't work, but there, you know, you can look at it a certain way and also think, like, eh, it could work. I struggle with it. I sometimes think, I'm like, maybe it's the venom that makes her believe that that happened. Maybe, maybe it's just a fake memory the monks put in there. Cause that, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I do... Despite my problem with this just aspect of the story, um, I think Sarah delivers this so well and her fear at the end of it that maybe she never left. Um, even though I don't believe the retcon, I do believe Buffy's fear. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and, you know, like the, the gang constantly makes, uh, you know, comments throughout like, oh, yeah, I mean, what... What's not normal about Sunnydale? I mean, apart from the vampires, the demons, the ex-vengeance demons. The sister that used to be a magical be- ball, ball of energy. energy. Um, but Willow assures her that she's completely real. They're going to figure out um, how to stop this. They've already determined that uh, they can create an antidote from the same venom that stung her. Um, so Xander's out hunting the demon yeah. right now, but Spike. he did have to get some help. Yeah, um, and you know, I'll say when uh, when they're not at each other's throats, um, well, they still are a little, but they make a pretty good team. It is <laughs> kind of funny that Spike, you know, is just kind of bitching about everything. It's like, oh, put this chip in my head, make me fall in love with her, then become a sex slave, and Z- you can tell Xander's not really listening. But then he's like, wait, what? It's like nothing. Alternate realities. <laughs> Um, I like how he's just like, oh wow, she's so self-centered in her delusion. Like, <laughs> um, and then like when they actually find the demon, and Spike says he didn't tell me it was like a gargleg, whatever, and Sandra's that's, like, that's because I can't say it. Uh, but they do successfully uh, trank it. Uh, Xander got two great shots in on on the the demon, um, and yeah, they take it back to the house. Um, speaking of people who are annoyed at Buffy being self-centered, uh, 
let's talk about Don. Oh man, like Don comes off even worse here than I feel like she did in in um, Older and Far Away. Yeah, and the sad thing is, is that if you take out the part where she says like, "Oh, you're I'm not even there. It's your ideal reality." Like, if you take that part out, just that little snippet out, everything else, it's like, she's caring for her, and she's trying to, like, you know, and she's legit worried, and trying to snap her back into reality. Yeah. Oh, there goes gravity. Oh, there goes gravity. Sorry. What? Snap back to reality. Oh, there goes gravity. Oh, there goes gravity. Choke so mad. Lose yourself. It means Eminem. nothing to me. It, it's an Oscar-winning song. Okay. I don't know it. <laughs> I, <laughs> Uh, never mind. I'm sorry, I shouldn't be like. No more songs this episode. I'm gonna guess it's from Eight Mile. It is from Eight Mile, okay. yeah. Um, but I've done it for karaoke while you've been in the bar, so my musical knowledge is such a limited little window. Like, that's like a Pink, Fleetwood Mac, and musical theater. Florence and the Machine. Florence and the Machine. Sorry. Uh, Amy Mann. Um, Lady Gaga. Um, yeah. Female pop. B- b- very specific. <laughs> like, it's like, get, get a little more specific. Like Britney. Yeah. No, I like some uh, of her. I love Britney. I like, I, like, I like Britney, but I'm not like, I'm not a Britney connoisseur. Mm. Um, Christina, get out of here. Um, except Take, get that weak ass shit out of here. Except for that song where she's like a serial killer who kills men. Um, she like beats the men to death with like baseball bats and they explode into glitter and paint. Oh, I can't remember the song, but yeah. I remember that music video. Now. I love that music video. You do love women, just I love destroying women. men. Uh, I I actually have some thoughts about that later in the episode. Um, okay. It's not about me. But, uh, yeah, Don attempts to uh, comfort Buffy, but Buffy's kind of in a haze. She notes that uh, Don needs to do pull her grades up. She uh, needs to stop letting Willow do her chores. Stop stealing. Stop stealing. <laughs> uh, and be shorter than her. <laughs> I do like that little detail of like, her, like that, that should be taller than you. I should be taller, and it, it is like the weird logic of like, um, when you're questioning your reality the way Buffy is, like there's no no reason Dawn at her age can't be taller than Buffy. Mm-hmm. Um, Buffy's not particularly tall, and Dawn clearly has grown quite a bit. Yeah, it's like um. Sometimes younger siblings are taller. Like it, it makes me think of uh, of Haley Steinfeld in uh, the Pitch Perfect movies. Um, I've only ever seen the first one. That she's yeah, she doesn't come until the second okay. one. Uh, but she is uh, she's like fairly average height. Like I think she's shorter than me, not by a lot, but um, but she just kind of towers over everybody else. Like she towers over Anna Kendrick and Brittany Snow. It seems like. So it makes her feel like she's six foot tall. That's hilarious. <laughs> I love when, like, that height thing, like, um, like, what was it we were watching? Um, oh, it's so when we were watching, uh, John and I were watching Gilmore Girls recently. 
I was like, oh yeah, Alexis Fidel and Lauren Graham are like pretty short. And I looked it up that like they're actually like Lauren Graham's like five eight, and I think Alexis Fidel's just a little like an inch or two shorter. Mm-hmm. It's just the men on that show are all so <laughs> fucking tall. Um, um but uh let's see, Sarah Yeah, Haley Seinfeld, she's she's five eight. But it just feels like she towers over everybody else. <laughs> so Sarah Michelle Geller is five four, um, and I know we've looked this up before. Mm-hmm. Um, but Michelle Trachtenberg is five seven, mm-hmm. and I, I'm guessing she wasn't five seven here because I feel like I feel like we see her get a little bit taller um, as the show goes on. Uh, a little bit taller, a little bit more of a baller. You you said you were gonna stop. That's not a, that, that's not a song. Oh, you just. It was just rhyming. <laughs> well, it's a song now, and it confused my little brain. <laughs> um, but uh, we we have a brief uh, sojourn back to the hospital where Don's like, or Joyce is like, Don ain't real, honey. Which Buffy repeats. Don hears in the Sunnydale reality, and. She's just like, oh, so you'd rather be there without me like you always feel about me? I'll just go and do my chores. Yeah, the the thing oh. is, is that Dawn um, assumes that because uh, Hank and Joyce are together and, like, together together, that that's the reality that Buffy wants. And then she does her little teenager thing of... Yeah. Oh, I get it. So you don't want me around. Fine. And it, yeah, it's not a good look. It's not a good look, and it's a look they keep coming back to. Mm-hmm. This. If it had happened once this season, I'd be like, all right, teenager got angry. She's she's going through some stuff. But she has consistently this season made everything about Buffy's depression about how Buffy doesn't like or want to be around her. Yeah, and it just it seems out of character for everything that they established of Dawn in season five and early part of season six. Yeah. Like this the, uh, version of Dawn would be standing at the top of the tower yelling at Buffy's falling body. Oh, so you just hate me? You don't want to be around me anymore? You'd rather jump into a portal to hell? <laughs> the, uh, what was it? Um, I think the only time that this reaction has been warranted was, um, when Buffy was invisible. Yes. I agree. Because, because again, we, I've said it multiple times now, Buffy was being very like nonchalant and flippant about it, and, you know, it's something that, you know, Dawn, having dealt with, you know, her sister being dead and then coming back to life, but, like, trying to get through all that, um, you know, and she's trying to, she's trying to, like, be there for Buffy, but it's really hard when she doesn't seem to be taking it seriously. Yeah. And Buffy was kind of being negligent to Dawn yes. in that episode. Here, she's going through something really serious. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And and like, and Dawn calls this like, oh, so this is your ideal world. I'm like, in what scenario has Buffy said this is ideal? Right? Because all she has said is like, this is horrible. Yeah. Um. So, uh, she runs off to like do her chores. do her chores. <laughs> Um, sure, <laughs> sure, Jan. Xander and Spike uh, successfully get the demon into the basement. They chain it up. 
Uh, Give me a little bit of Breaking Bad vibes. A little bit, yeah. Very, like, the second episode, I think. Uh Uh-huh. Where they got Crazy 8. Crazy 8. Yeah. I almost said Magic 8 Ball. I was like, Crazy 8's in the basement. Uh, Willow breaks off its stinger, um, and she, uh, she sends Xander to the Magic Box to get some ingredients. They're going to meet at the campus lab so she can synthesize an antidote, an antidote, an antidote, uh, using science, not magic. Um, the next According day. According to Once Upon a Time, those are one and the same. According to a lot of, like, <laughs> sci-fi fantasy wanting to use Arthur's. Damn you, Arthur C. Clarke. Arthur C. Clarke's <laughs> third law? Yeah. Um, I mean. Not damn you. I, I really did like 2001 A Space Odyssey. It was a great film. Great um, book, too. Never read the book. Um, although the book was written to be made into a film. Um, Actually, I believe um, Kubrick and Clark came up with the story together, mm-hmm. wrote the screenplay, and then like its original form was the screenplay, and then... Clark went about writing the book okay. version of it. I think that's what it was. Yeah. I could it's, be wrong. It's something along those lines of like they, it was. It was always intended to be a movie, and a book happened as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, um, like if I'm wrong about that, then um, throw a bag of dog crap on Harrison's porch. Exactly. What I thought it was was that it was intended. It was intended to be a movie. But he wrote it as a novel first, so that he could kind of visualize it. But it might that might be something else. Um, it is something else. It's the Hellbound Heart by Clive Barker, okay, uh, which became Hellraiser. He wrote it as a novella first, but he always, literally, so he could kind of help him visualize it because he had never written a screenplay before. Um, so he wanted to like transition it that way. Okay, um, Hellbound Heart, great novella. Hellraiser, great film. Um, first two Hellraisers, great films. From there, dicey. Um, like any horror franchise. <laughs> um, the next day, uh, Willow brings a mug of antidote to Buffy. Which, um, looks, which once when Buffy's pouring out, looks gross. It just looks like the blood that they always use for the <laughs> Like, quick, grab some of the blood from the angel stage. Um, but yeah, she's like, she gives her the, the antidote. She's like, you know, the demon's still alive in case we need more, but you know, this should work. Um, and Spike comes in to check on her. Uh, Willow leaves and Spike's just such a dick to her in this scene. She's, uh, he's basically just like, he picks the wrong time for his patience to run out. (laughs) (laughs) He's basically like, you're addicted to misery. Uh, like just, you know, you just you, you refuse to tell your friends because uh, either they'll either accept accept what happened and help you get through it, or they'll reject you. And either way, you can just be done with it. And you refuse to do that, so you better tell them, or I'm going to. And yeah, like Spike. I, so here's the thing: I don't think this is untrue. Um, I mean, looking at Buffy's behavior while she was with Spike, uh, it makes. Mm-hmm. Like, it tracks. Spike is nothing if not perceptive. But yeah, but obviously they had to have told Spike what was going on with Buffy. And that's why he was there. He's there out of concern. But then instead of, you know, acting like a decent person would have, then 
but you know, which has never been Spike's forte. I say it's on brand. <laughs> um, he decides to deliver this ultimatum, and like he wants, he's like the whole tomato. Yeah, he wants the whole tomato or none of it. Um. So this, and I, I think the conversation with Don as well, um, prompts back Buffy to pour the antidote into the trash. She returns to the hospital and tells the doctor and her parents uh, that she wants to be healthy and get rid of Sunnydale. Um, and he's, you know, he explains that, um, you know, her friends are what brought her out of her lucidity. Um, so she has to get rid of them. Um, Willow, uh, Willow come uh, back in Sunnydale reality. Uh, Willow offers to make uh, Buffy some food. Buffy's like, you know, I'm feeling still a little dazed. Um, and then we get a cut to Buffy alone in the kitchen. Uh, Xander comes into the house and he's like, uh, Spike was being so fucking weird. He's weirdly obsessed with you. She just beats the shit out of him. It hits him in the face with a pan. Damn. Um, but yeah, she takes him down to the... She she drags him down the stairs. Mm-hmm. It is the second most violent way a person goes down these stairs. <laughs> this episode. This episode. Um, <laughs> poor Tara. Um, but uh, where Willow is already down there bound and gagged. And I don't, I'm sorry. It's kind of funny. Like, just the image of Xander, like, seeing Willow bound and gagged in the basement and then passing out got a very dark laugh out of me. (laughs) Well, it it seems a tad silly. Yeah. Um, So she, she, you know, takes care of him, goes upstairs, and then she just yells up the stairs, Dawn! (laughs) Uh, Very horror movie. um, Yeah. Which I liked. Um... Buffy's upstairs. She's packing to go spend the night at Janice's. Dawn is. Uh, Buffy is too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but Buffy's not packing to spend the night at Janice's. Yes. Um, but Buffy's like... We get this... I, we just get this nice chase scene where Buffy's like kicking down... See what I mean, listeners? <laughs> I definitely did have a moment, though, where I was just like, please don't hit my house. Please don't hit my house. Like... <laughs> Um, we get this chase scene through the upper levels of the house Um, Buffy has a great moment where she's like this can't be real why would I you know do all this stuff why would I sleep with a vampire I hate Um, which (laughs) Don is probably like wait what but doesn't have time because the Slayer's coming after her yeah I imagine if she hears it at all because she's freaking out and running away from her super powered sister who wants to kill her um, I imagine the thought process was, since when does Buffy hate Angel? Like, <laughs> um, but honestly, I imagine in the state Dawn is in, in the situation she's in, she, she probably didn't even hear what Buffy said. I wouldn't have. Um, but she does catch her. Um, she takes her downstairs, bounce and gags her as well. And then... Uh, it looks like it's the end for our faithful Scooby gang (laughs) until Tara comes in here she comes to save the day so Buffy has released the demon she's kind of hidden under the basement stairs to just watch Uh, in the hospital everyone's like yeah Buffy 
just, you know, just take your time, really savor it. Um, but uh, Tara comes in, uh, presumably looking for Willow. Um, it's never said one way or the other why she's here, but... Um, Xander has, like, guess. started fighting against the demon. Yeah. He gets loose... But it's not looking great for him. Like, he gets thrown against, like, the freezer de- downstairs. Yeah. I, he puts up a good enough fight that probably saves everyone's lives. Yeah. You know. Uh, Tara sees... She comes downstairs. Uh, she sees that they, Willow and Dawn are tied up. She magics them free. She then uses some magic to throw a shelving unit at the demon. And then Buffy grabs her feet between the stairs and she's near the top of the stairs and she falls all the way to the the bottom. That could have fucking killed her. It could have. It's like legitimately, the first time I watched this episode, I legitimately had a moment of like, oh my god, is she okay? Like, she seems totally fine by the end of the episode. Good old Tara, taking it on the chin. Yeah. Um, At the hospital, though, we get what is my favorite part of this episode. I figured it would be. Um, Joyce is talking to Buffy and she's encouraging her. She's telling her, you know, she's strong. She can do it. She, yes. Okay, good. I was like, I was hoping they'd have the quote so I don't have to just summarize. Here it is. (laughs) Um, She says, I know you're afraid. I know the world feels like a hard place sometimes, but you've got people who love you. Your dad and I, we have all the faith in the world in you. We'll always be with you. You've got a world of strength in your heart. I know you do. You just have to find it again. Believe in yourself. And here's what I love about this. Presumably, everything that's created in this reality um, is built on Buffy's subconscious. That's how I'm reading it. Buffy subconsciously knows which world is the real one. Um, Or, if you want to go by this ending, which one she'd prefer to be in. Um... And her subconscious also knows that what she really needs right now she is needs a pep talk from her mom. Yeah. And so I love that even... It's not really Joyce. Um, but even just in her head, Buffy can hear her mom's voice and get this strength back that she has. And, and, she, and she looks at Joyce and says, thank you. Yes. Goodbye. And goodbye. And I... I was like, I know she's fake choice, but oh, she was so devastated. Christine Sutherland, what a fucking treasure. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really glad we got her back for this episode, and yeah, she crushes it. But in the Sunnydale reality, she um, she fights off the demon. Um, she just punches a hole right through it. She's got goo on her hand. I love a goo hand. <laughs> um, and... Uh, Everybody's like, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Please don't hurt us. Even Tara, who has no idea what's going on, presumably. um, She's got a lot of faith in her friends. She's like, I'm sure you had a great reason to knock me down the stairs. (laughs) But um, she is like, we need to make some more of the antidote before, you know, I relapse, essentially. And um, yeah, the episode ends back in the hospital. Buffy is completely unresponsive. Uh, and the doctor tells Buffy's crying parents that she's gone. The end. The end. Um, I had a note I wanted to... I, 
two things I meant to say while we were in there, but I wish they'd made Buffy look sicker um, in the second half of the episode. Um, I meant to say this when, because Dawn makes a comment of like, you look sick and she looks fine. Like, I think Sarah is doing a great job of portraying, like, the emotional angst she's going through. Yeah, I mean, through. that's, like, something that you could easily do with makeup or lack Just thereof. Some bags under her eyes, a little paler, a little sweatier. Mm-hmm. I think that would have done a lot to sell this a bit more. <laughs> like, like a spray bottle. Just, like, spray Spritz, right in her face. Sarah, come here. Spray, spray. <laughs> um, I also... God, that would be, like, something that, you know... Oh, man, I got to spray water in Sarah Michelle Gellar's face. How awesome was that? Dream drop. Uh, there's also a bit during the fight with the demon where Willow just goes to fucking town on it with a baseball bat. And, um, listen, Willow's gay. I'm gay. <laughs> but I was, that was hot. That was real hot. <laughs> I liked it. Is that the violent women? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Buffy's violence in this episode, less hot. Um, it wasn't directed at the people I wanted it directed at. <laughs> um... But, um, but yeah, I, I don't like the ending. I think it's, I think it's cheap personally. Um, I, I do, I want to hear your thoughts. And then I've got some quotes from, uh, Joss Whedon and Marty Noxon who have opposing opinions on the end of this episode. (laughs) Now I'm a little worried about my, oh no, I, okay, about like what side I fall on. No, I like, <laughs> Are you worried you're on Joss's side? Uh, yeah, a little bit. No, I I think it's a I think it's a clever twist. Um, I think that it works because the um, I, I mentioned before how Smallville literally just takes this episode and makes it its own version of it. Uh, but the th- the difference is is that. In the Smallville episode, literally the entire episode until the very end when Martian Manhunter, like, helps Clark out of the reality, mm-hmm. um, is, uh, that's a season six spoiler, by the way, <laughs> sorry. Um, when he helps him out of the reality, uh, that everything before that for, like, the majority of the runtime is just specifically in the mental hospital, mm-hmm. the MHR. Um, and there's very little in the Smallville reality. The, um, this episode weaves it together and, um, and I think it's, it's look at season six and how it's felt so different because of, you know, just because of the structure of it. But also just the fact of everything that Buffy's going through. I mean, when she makes the comment, like, why would it even make sense that I would sleep with a vampire that I Mm -hmm. hate? Um, I think it all makes a... Makes a... it, it, It makes the reality, the mental hospital reality... A little more believable Mm -hmm. than it probably would have come off of. Come off as. And... I just kind of like that little bit of a chilling ending, how, um, oh, you can choose to look at it as, I mean, was that the real reality? Um, because it works either way. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it's like, and it's got this little bit of like a hint of tragedy in it. Um, even though we see Buffy overcoming 
this ordeal at the same time there's this little like tinge of tragedy in there which uh I don't know, it just works for me okay so uh, I am sorry to inform you that uh, Joss Whedon is the pro of this ending, but uh, your read on it is far less self-congratulatory and smug than his. Well, I mean, I have nothing to congratulate myself about, so... So, um, this is, uh, this is uh, his, uh, uh, what he said. How important is it in the scheme of the Buffy narrative to really... Uh, uh, and he's re- referring to the ending... How important it is in the scheme of the Buffy narrative is really up to the person watching. If they decide that the entire thing is all playing out in some crazy person's head, well, the joke of the thing to us was that was it is, and that crazy person is me. It was kind of the ultimate postmodern look at the concept of a writer writing a show. That's, that's where I rolled my eyes a bit. Um, I mean, sorry, it does, there's so many words here. Yeah, it does play into the, into the meta-textual nature yeah. of of like you know the the big speech that the doctor had about how like oh we built this reality and um, explaining just oh this is this is the reality that of the fictional universe of Buffy yeah um, he says the show had merit in itself because it did raise the question how can you live in this world and be sane but at the same time the idea amused me very much and we played it played on it a little bit how come her little sister is taller than her what was Adam's plan. Uh, we played on the crazy things we came up with time and time again to make the Spanish fantasy show work and called them into question in the way any normal person would. But ultimately, the entire series takes place in the mind um, uh, in the mind of a lunatic locked up somewhere in Los Angeles, if that's what the viewer wants. Personally, I think it really happened. Okay, it was a less smug than... It was just that one little bit that I found a little smug. So... Um, Marty Noxon, uh, she says on the ending, it was a fake out. We were having some fun with the audience. I don't want to denigrate what the whole show has meant. If Buffy's not empowered, then what are we saying? If Buffy's crazy, then there is no girl power. It's all fantasy. And really, the whole show stands for the opposite of that, which is that it isn't just a fantasy. There should be girls that can kick ass. So I'd be really sad if we made that statement at the end. That's why it's just somewhere in the middle saying, wouldn't it be funny if... Or wouldn't this be sad and tragic if? In my feeling, and I believe in Joss's as well, that's not the reality of the show. It's just a bit of a tease and a trick. Yeah, I mean, like, if it... If they if they decide to go the full Tommy Westfall and uh, and make this the ending of the show, oh. then that would be... Yeah. Like, that would be bad. Mm-hmm. Like, that would be, like, this worst-case scenario that Marty's referring to. But, I mean, it's... Like, it's something that you say it's not touched on again in the series. So, like, I I like it because I know that, oh, there's still more story. And so, obviously, like, this is the reality. But, yeah, it's like, it is just kind of like a fun, sort of, like, chilling what if. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. It, it just yeah. doesn't work for me personally. Gotcha. I, and I do, I do think it, it, yes, it's ambiguous and that does save it for me but I do think it undermines the show's feminist message in a way that I agree with Marty in that way that um, and I do this is a problem sometimes with Whedon and real life but in the writing sometimes too is um, the feminism does sometimes undermine itself 
Um, and I think we now know that a lot of that is because Joss Whedon wanted to present present himself as like the ultimate feminist, where in his actual life he was quite shitty to women. Um, and I, that does pop up sometimes in the writing. Um, luckily, he had women like Marty Noxon, like Jane Espenson, and other women working on the show um, who I, I do think were able to sand that rough edge in some places. Um, but yeah, I do think overall, though, the episode uh, is it's exciting. The scenes uh, with Joyce are really moving. Hank's also there. Can't do anything about it. Like, I hate Hank, but at the same time, I recognize why he needs to be in this episode. He's he fulfills his function. Yeah. As, <laughs> <laughs> what? No. no. Fewer, or truer words about Hank Summers have never been said. <laughs> he fulfills his function. I mean, it's yeah. Like they they basically just have to show that. That um, Joyce and Hank aren't in the relationship that, you know, is always referenced in Buffy. Yeah. Um, And they do that by, you know, maybe Buffy wasn't even aware of it, but um, because the entirety of the episode, Joyce and Hank are concerned about her. Yeah. So it could be that that's that's like a thing that kept them together. Who knows? Possibly. Um, any other final thoughts? So, I'm going to, like... I'm probably not going to score this as high as you think I will. Okay. Um, uh, it does have, like... It does have some fault. Uh, Dawn's... Dawn's, Dawn's not great uh, <laughs> um, approach. And, uh, you know, Spike just... It, it, it just seems like the wrong time. And also, this seems like the wrong time for this episode. Yes. Um, if it had been earlier on in season six, I think it would have fit a little more. And it's not that it would have felt out of place earlier on in season six, because there's, there's been plenty of time for them to go through this stuff. Um, it's just that right now, it feels like, it, it feels like we should have dealt with some more aftermath of Hell's Bells. Yeah. Um, we should have had like a little more of the leaning towards uh, Tara and Willow of it all. And I feel like we're going to get that in the next couple episodes. Mm-hmm. It's just that, yeah, th- this feels out of place in the season. I agree. Um, yeah, this episode dedicates a lot of time to Spike that I it doesn't need to. And yeah, it, it feels like Spike regressed a bit from the last episode, which Spike is a character who... It's all, it is he's always up and he's down. Yeah, it is always a bit two steps forward, one step back with him, or is it one, whichever way that go, that saying goes. Um, I believe it's one step forward, two steps back. Yeah, that makes more sense. Um, but yeah, it's just, this feels really zero to 60. Um, and I do think we could have spent some of that time with Willow being, uh, with Tara being more involved in the story. Because she's only in that beginning uh, where Willow sees her, and then when she just shows up at the house. Mm-hmm. It, it could have been so easy to say, hey, we need Tara to come use magic to do this antidote. Um, boom, she's involved in the plot. She can be there in a less contrived way at the end to be, you know, nearly murdered. Yeah. Um, and I think... And, and that would have given us some time to spend with Willow and Tara 
uh, together in a way that serves both their characters and the plot of the episode. Yeah, I feel like this... I feel like this could have gone well maybe right... Maybe even before Older and Far Away. Um, Because I feel like... I feel that the things that Buffy has gone through... I think that this is just another episode that's dealing with Buffy's... um, trying to get acceptance of the of her experience at the beginning of the season yeah and i feel like we kind of maybe left that behind at this point in the season but then it comes back here mm-hmm. so well, again buffy, it felt a little out of place buffy has been slowly it does see, like seem to have been getting better um so they have to put in really drastic scenes with dawn and spike to get her to a place where she's willing to reject this reality um whereas it would it would have felt more natural earlier in the season when she was in a much darker place not that she's in a great place now but um you know uh but yeah i think in the, i think it, earlier yeah i think it like if this episode takes place at least during the time when buffy and spike were you know mm-hmm. shagging on the reggie yeah yeah Around, I think around dead things, this would have been a, mm-hmm. an appropriate place for this story. Um, that would have, I think, just would have. It feels a bit more arbitrary here, um, whereas there, I think it would have, yeah, been mattered. Um, so I'm going to give this episode uh, three Gnarko Blarks um, <laughs> out of five. I'll give it a three and a half. Um, nice. Burnt fries out of five. Yeah, very nice. All right. No double meat drugs. Shall you take us out? I guess I shall. Um, for those of you who are missing my wonderful episode <laughs> recaps, get set because we'll be back next week with Angel Season 3, Episode 17, Forgiving. Something tells me that that title is a little misleading. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, and if you have missed Jason's dulcet tones uh, narration, narrating the episodes, uh, you're in luck, because we've got a bit of an angel stretch to go through There we now. go. Um, I'm Harrison. You can find me on Instagram at Harrison Alexander Kaufman and on Twitter at Harrison Kaufman. That's C-O-F-F-M-A-N. And I'm Jason. You can find me on Instagram at yummyj 357 and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Booze and Buffy. And don't you mean X? And ugh, no, 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 <laughs> no I, <don't>. I don't. <laughs> uh, and you can email us at boozeandbuffy at gmail.com. The and is spelled out in all of those instances. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Yes. And each week we like to give a shout out to a worthy social justice or uh, related cause. Um, I don't know about other places, but in Louisville, we're going through a bit of a heat wave right now. And oh, I'm sure it's not just us. Yeah. And unfortunately, our city has chosen now to be particularly unkind to the unhoused population. Um, happens around the fair. Yep. Happens around Derby. Yep. Um, and other times throughout the year, too. Absolutely. And um, especially in times where the heat is so bad and they're particularly vulnerable. Um, you know, do what you can to help your local in-house population. Um, you know, whatever you can do. So, as always, go slay and be gay. Goodbye. Bye.